Today is the fourth in a series of sermons I'm preaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the reason for this, many of the religions, the world religions that exist around our globe, have a belief in a God who is not personal, who is not concerned with the people who wish to follow him or them in some cases. But our God is not like that. Our God has very clearly said that he wishes to make himself known to us. He wishes to continue to be involved in our lives. And one of the ways he has done that, obviously, is by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross so that when we accept him, we come into a saving knowledge and relationship with God. But at the same time with, uh, that we accept salvation in Christ, we receive, every one of us, the gift of the Holy Spirit as a seal. And that Holy Spirit will continue with us as long as we are in this life and in faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the Holy Spirit comes to us and provides us with a lot of personal uh, blessing. He assists us by comforting us. He is often called the Comforter. He encourages us. He teaches us. Initially, He convicts us of our sin. He, he convinces us of the rightness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But in addition to all of those things that God, that God the Holy Spirit does for us personally, He also serves the larger body of the church. And a primary way that He does that is by giving every Christian believer a gift or more than one gift in order to serve the body. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to all believers for the common good so that we might serve the needs of the body. In fact, it is very clear that every need that we, the church, the body of Christ has can be met within ourselves if we are all being obedient and using the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us. So, as we talk about these gifts, it is especially because we need to take seriously the fact that we have been given a gift or gifts and we have a responsibility to use it. It's not just a matter of coming for one hour on Sundays and sitting here, listening to me and the readers and the music. Now, previously in this series, we talked about the gifts of leadership, which include apostleship, prophecy, evangelism, and pastoring teaching. We also considered the gifts of service, which include service, or sometimes called helps, administration, giving, encouragement or exhortation, it's called sometimes, and mercy. Today I want us to look at what are called the gifts of compassion, or at least what I have called the gifts of compassion. One of the challenging things is there's no one single list of these gifts, and therefore not all church denominations agree on all of them. Some of the more liberal churches simply don't recognize some of the more miraculous gifts, like speaking in tongues and interpretation and that sort of thing. But if it's in Scripture, we take it seriously. So I have chosen to break these up, these gifts up into groupings so we can talk about them. I believe there are a total of 22 gifts that are identified in Scripture that God the Holy Spirit has especially blessed people with these gifts. So today... Under the gifts of compassion, I want us to talk about healing, hospitality, intercession, and mercy. And you may have noticed, I just said I talked about mercy last week under the gifts of service. Well, some of these fall in more than one category. And as we talk about the gifts of compassion, we must talk about mercy as well. To get us started, I want to read a scripture passage that says nothing about spiritual gifts. But it does lay the foundation that I think is critically important for how we are to understand God's desire for us to express the gifts of compassion. And that passage, which many of you will know, it's one of the 
truly great, most, well, most important, and one of my favorite, I, I always say that, it's one of my favorite passages in Scripture, right? They're all my favorite passages in Scripture. But it is Micah 6.8. And so, hear now this, which is the word of the Lord. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. Justice, mercy, walking humbly with God are all necessary for the gifts of compassion. And I start with this Micah passage because it sets exactly the right tone for any consideration of the gifts of compassion that we are to share. And I'm not really troubled by the fact that it doesn't actually list any of the spiritual gifts because, in fact, two of the four gifts I want us to talk about today are not included in any of the several lists that occur in the New Testament, but rather are to be understood from the things we're taught there. I'll get into that, but I want to start with the two gifts of compassion that are included in the New Testament lists of gifts, and those two are healing and mercy, which again I began to address last week. First, the gift of healing. The gift of healing is one that many people don't believe exists anymore. And by the gift of healing, we're talking about the divinely given ability to heal people of physical, mental, or spiritual illness by an exercise of prayer and faith. There is no indication other than our lack of belief that God does not heal people today. And in fact, anyone who says that God does not provide miraculous healing today, I mean, the vast majority of you probably have experienced some point at which you felt somebody was inexplicably healed. How many people have known someone who was healed in a way that perhaps the doctors couldn't explain it? Okay, and yet still our culture will say, well, miraculous healing doesn't work, doesn't happen. Well, I have many friends that live in developing parts of the world, in Africa, in Asia, elsewhere. And they are they experience that so much more often, I think, because they are looking for it. They have the expectation that God can heal, that God can do miracles. You don't see anything that you're not looking for. And so I think that's one of the reasons our lack of faith, our lack of expectation for God to work miraculously in healing and in other ways is the primary reason we don't see that more often. But God promises that he will heal. He promises that he will do miracles. And the gift of healing is still real. It is a manifestation of the power of God at work, literally in destroying the effects of sin and Satan in the lives of people. The reason that we suffer illness, the reason we die, the reason we have depression and emotional illnesses is because of our fallen state. And when God the Holy Spirit allows someone the gift of healing, it means through that person, God is able to provide healing for the, the person suffering from whatever condition. And it really is addressing the sin and the fallenness, the brokenness, and the, the demonic influence. Now, because healing is closely related to the gifts of faith and of miracles, and the practice of really a number of the spiritual gifts, it requires that you be you have faith just to be a Christian at all. Still, the healing gift requires a special measure of faith to believe that God can and will do healing. Not that he always will. God, in his wisdom, sometimes does not heal. God did not heal Paul, the apostle, when he asked for the thorn to be taken from his flesh. Paul tells us that three times God said to him, No, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. There are times in which God manifests a greater effect by not healing. 
But that doesn't mean that he doesn't always heal. And when God does heal, the gift of healing is an intimate one. It reveals the very heart and compassion of God. It reminds us, for instance, that Jesus is the great physician and that healing was a critical part of his ministry. He preached, he drove out demons, and he healed. And healing is listed in 1 Corinthians 12, which is the longest single list we have of spiritual gifts in Scripture. Now, interestingly, when healing is mentioned in two places in the New Testament, the word that's given is plural. It's not healing as one thing. It's healings, plural, which suggests that there are multiple kinds of healing gifts. It may be that some people have the miraculous ability to heal to simply, by the power of God and faith and prayer, to remove the affliction of a person. It may be that this means some people are gifted with the ability to understand and apply medical skills. And it may may be in some cases the gift of healing is for someone to have the ability to sympathize and empathize and walk alongside those who are not to be healed. All of those could, could be an aspect of the gift of healing, and it may be why the word is plural when we find it in the New Testament. A critical point here is that God still performs miracles, God still heals, and even though healing has been one of the things that many charlatans have claimed in order to try to dupe people into following them, believing them, or giving them money, granted there have been charlatans, but the fact that some people have lied about it doesn't mean that it sometimes is not really true, and that miraculous healing can be a gift of God. And it's important to notice that a miraculous healing does not reside in a person. It is something that comes from God, and it would be better to say that healing is channeled or manifested through a person that God has chosen to gift with this. All healing comes from God. Anyone who claims, I have the ability to heal you, is not speaking from God. If they say that God is able to heal you and he has chosen to use me to do so, then there might be some credibility to that. But God is the one who heals. Those who have a gift of healing especially would manifest a compassion toward people who are sick, people who are afflicted. And someone with a gift of healing would feel a strong desire to pray for those people, to call for them to be healed, perhaps to lay hands on them. Those people have faith that God can and will heal and they understand that sometimes God in his wisdom wisdom does not choose to heal everyone. Um, I had the great good fortune when I was in seminary to do some work with David Watson. David Watson was a PhD. He was a, a pastor from York, England, and his PhD was in philosophy. He was a brilliant guy, and yet he had a real gift for, for relating to younger people, college-age people. And he had a team of singers and people who did uh, dance and sketches. They traveled around to universities around the world, and I was able to work with him for a while. David was a great man of God. Um, he wrote a book called I Believe in the Holy Spirit, part of the I Believe series. And David contracted cancer. And we were also sure that he was going to be healed. You know, he was still a relatively young man. God had so much in store for him. There was so much that God could use for him. I remember, though, John Wimber, who was the the person who founded the um, Vineyard Fellowship movement. John Wimber was also a professor of mine in seminary. And John Wimber said that when he went to visit his friend David Watson in in the hospital room after David was hospitalized, he did the wise thing. And that is the first thing John Wimber did was he prayed, Lord, how should I pray for him? And John Wimber told several of us that he knew for sure that God was not going to heal David, that that was not his desire, that he was going to call David home to him. 
And so John did not pray for his healing. He prayed for relief from pain and for awareness for the rest of us as to why God might be doing this. But part of the faith of healing, of the gift of healing, is to understand that God does not always heal, but he always has the best plan. And he has an intention in it, and that's part of that gift. Very much related to the gift of healing is the gift of mercy. The gift of mercy, as I talked about last week, is the divine ability to feel strong empathy and to have a real care and concern for those who are hurting in any way. Someone with the gift of mercy, as they walk down the street and they see someone who is sick or homeless or hungry, they cannot just walk by them as though they're a piece of furniture. They have to acknowledge at least that they are a human being made in the image of God and suffering. This, as I mentioned last week, is a gift of service because it almost always leads to some action, but primarily it begins as a gift of compassion, that God touches the heart of someone with this gift to give them the desire to care for those who do not have the means to care for themselves especially. Now, like many of these gifts, all of us are called to practice it in some extent. We are all called to be merciful, to show mercy to the people around us, and we can all be more aware and more practical in how we feel for other people, be compassionate, sympathetic, merciful toward them. But there are some people that have been given the gift to the extent that they can relate, they can even share the pain of others in their hurting, in their trials and suffering. And they have a very strong desire, not just to do an immediate thing, but to come alongside those people who are suffering and to see them through the healing process that God desires for them. In some cases, it means simply being with the person who is suffering until the Lord calls them home or they are no longer in this life. I remember the stories of the Sisters of Charity who worked under Mother Teresa in Calcutta, India, Calcutta at that time. And they would go out into the streets of Calcutta, one of the largest cities in the world and one of the poorest, and they would gather up the men and women and even children who were suffering from terrible diseases, sometimes leprosy or other, sometimes infectious diseases, and they would take them back to the house that they ran, they would clean them up, they would give them food and drink and a clean bed, and they would pray for them and love them, sometimes simply until the person died, if they were beyond the point of being able to be helped. That is the gift of mercy, to care enough to take those actions. And as I've quoted before, when a reporter once asked Mother Teresa, how can you do this? How can you pick up someone who's horribly ravaged by leprosy and literally physically carry them back and clean them up and love them until perhaps they die or perhaps they live? And Mother Teresa said, Oh, it's really not that difficult. We simply say, it's all right, Jesus. I'm here now. Because as much as we do unto one of the least of these, we do it for him. And that is the expression of the gift of mercy. Those who can weep with those who weep and bear one another's burdens, who feel the pain and of the circumstances of others and are quick to discern when others do have pain and are not doing well and choose to be there for them. This is the gift of mercy. And it is the gift from which other gifts often spring. The next gift for us to consider in the gifts of compassion is the gift of intercession. Now this is one of the uh, terms that is not found in the list of gifts. It is not listed as intercession, but we have a clear witness in Scripture that it is a special application of a combination of a number of the other gifts. All of us are commanded to pray. As I say, most of the gifts, we are all to experience them and express them in some extent. But the gift of intercession is the special gift to be called to, to feel a burden to pray for others in their time of need. 
Many of you have probably known a person whom you or others have considered a prayer warrior. It's one of the expressions they use. This means a person whom God has gifted to come against the plans of the devil in prayer in a way that is specific and very effective. Now, intercession may be defined as the divine ability to stand in the gap in prayer for someone, for something, or for some place. Some people feel a burden to pray for places, for countries where oppression is occurring, for instance. And a person with a gift of intercession believes in faith that God can accomplish the desire of the prayer. It's not always just for healing. And so, therefore, it's not the same as the gift of healing. It may be for circumstance, or as I say, a place, an event. Those with the gift of intercession often have the ability to have a clear and focused understanding of what the root of the problem is. A person with a gift of intercession will be able to see through some of the fog that is around the difficulties that people face in order to be able to be more insightful and incisive in how they pray for the needs of someone. Sometimes even at the point of the miraculous of being able to have a word of knowledge, which we'll talk about later, or some other understanding of what the need is that is not immediately evident to other people. And they carry a desire, sometimes a desire that almost seems like an obsession, to pray for people or places or events. They cannot bear not to bring this before the Lord. And I've known of cases, myself, where some people who had the gift and really the burden of intercession... Other people thought they were a little bit on the edge of crazy because they were so determined that we must pray about these things. I can remember um, a young woman that came to seminary from South Korea when I was in seminary, and she, I believe, had the gift of intercession and the burden for a ministry of prayer. And when we would have fellowship meetings on our campus, like on Friday nights, and we would meet for two and a half hours, which is a long time for right for a North American group to meet, we would finish and she'd... At first, she would say, where are you going? And where I come from, when we gather for prayer, we, we pray all night. All right? And so there are some of us who do have that kind of burden to spend long periods of time in prayer in ways that is difficult maybe for some of the rest of us to understand. And then I want to mention another gift of compassion, which you may not think of it as compassion, but I think in, particularly in modern times, it's very much a, a gift of compassion, is the gift of hospitality. And this is defined as the divine ability to create a warm, welcoming environment so that people will feel at home there. Now, most often, it occurs in people's homes, but it also can happen in offices and in churches. We all know there are certain people, and they're the people that we want to have as our greeters, who when someone comes in the door, they're able to make someone, whether they're an old hand at Lakeside Presbyterian or somebody brand new, they make them feel welcome. I am so pleased, and I, on one of the surveys, the worship surveys we got back, someone said, this is the most welcoming church I have ever visited, because we have people with the gift, I believe, of hospitality. Now, all of us, again, are called to be hospitable. First uh, Peter 4.9 says to all of us, it commands us, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. But while all of us should show general hospitality, some are gifted by the Holy Spirit with a special ability to make people feel comfortable, special, welcome, and at home. And I'm sure you can think of people like that. People who, when you go to their home, you don't feel like you're putting them out. You feel like you're sort of going home yourself because they can make that happen. Now, this has nothing to do with affluence. It does not require 
a big, wealthy house. It doesn't require an expensive or glamorous table setting or expensive food. It might, but it really isn't focused on that. A person with a gift of hospitality can make other people feel welcome and comfortable in even the most modest of homes with even the most modest of food and drink. The gift of hospitality has much more to do with making people feel comfortable and can be seen in people who are here at church, in their homes, in their offices. And I'm sure you can think of people like that in our midst. It's worth noting that while hospitality can certainly be and should be expressed to family members, friends, um, people who are part of our body, the very word, the Greek word that we translate hospitality, which is philoxenia, literally means affection for strangers. And so hospitality is especially manifest in inviting people whom you don't know and sharing with them, making them feel welcome, making them feel comfortable. I don't know that Carolyn and I particularly have the gift of hospitality, but one of the things that we've loved to do when we, when we could afford to do it is to have our open houses. How many of you all have been to one of our open houses? Did you get the shrimp? We always run out of shrimp. <laughs> and we, ran, we run an ad in the newspaper and say we're having an open house at the pastor uh, and his wife's house. So you all come. And when somebody in our church, I remember one time when they said, um, you know, where'd all these people come from? And I said, well, English language congregation, Spanish language congregation, friends, people who live in the neighborhood, and people who saw the ad in the newspaper. And he said, you're crazy. And we have a wonderful time. There is no greater blessing for us than that. And we have never had, you know, anything stolen. We've never had a downside, and I wouldn't care if we did. It's still worth doing. The point is that affection for strangers, to call from the highways and byways, people that you don't know, and you remember that Jesus in Matthew 25, which become kind of the marching orders for the outreach ministries of our church, Jesus said, I was a stranger and you invited me in. That's the gift of hospitality. Not just to stick with the people who are part of our, our group, our clique, but to invite in the strangers. I am so excited for the ministries that we have that Teresa Senevez has led us in, in reaching out to churches in, in Mescala, now um, homeless children in Samacosala and elsewhere, where we are reaching out to people who aren't part of our group, but who need the gift of hospitality and of mercy and of care. I think it's especially true that hospitality is a gift of compassion in today's culture because... Nowadays, as we have all become more affluent, and people say, oh, I'm not affluent, I'm not wealthy, you are, the fact that you're sitting here means you probably are part of the two or at most the 5% wealthiest people that have ever lived. Do you have a telephone? Do you have a television? Do you have more than one set of clothes? You are one of the wealthiest people that have ever lived on the planet. And as we have become more affluent, we tend to confuse fancy parties with the gift of hospitality. It's not the same thing. Many people tend to draw more into themselves and say, well, I can't put on a spread like those people put on, so I'm just going to stay home. We put up these invisible barriers between ourselves and other people. We don't welcome them, and we're not open to having them welcome us. And so, therefore, I believe people today especially are starved for hospitality. It is one of the very particular ways that we can reach out to people that will make a mark for them. And the people with the gift of hospitality have a tremendous opportunity to reach out to people with this very important spiritual gift. And I think we have people in our church who do exactly that, and I'm very grateful for it. So here we have what I have chosen to call the gifts of compassion. 
healing, mercy, intercession, and hospitality. And I think you can see why I define hospitality too as a gift of compassion. How do you know which of those gifts might have been given to you by the Holy Spirit? Well, think honestly about yourself. Are you the sort of person who feels a special compassion for people who are physically, mentally, or spiritually sick? Do you feel a strong desire to pray for them, to be with them, perhaps to lay hands on them, to see them healed? Then you may very well be one who has been given the gift of healing. Are you a person who sees others in any kind of need and you feel an especially strong sympathy with that person? Whether you can heal them or not, you want to see their needs met and their pain healed, but you especially want to be able to walk with them through that process of suffering. If that is true for you, then you may very well have the gift of mercy. Do you find yourself drawn naturally to pray for others, sometimes at length, with an absolute conviction that God does answer prayers and He can answer your prayers according to His goodwill to help those who are in need or to help circumstances or places in need? Do other people come to you and ask you especially to pray for them or for their needs? If any of those things are true, then you may very well have the gift of intercession. Or do you have the ability and the desire to welcome people into your home, to make them feel comfortable and at ease, not to try to impress them with the wonderful spread that you have, but rather simply to make them feel comfortable, whether it be in your church, in your home, in church, or elsewhere. If that's true for you, you may well have the gift of hospitality. All of these gifts of compassion are critically important for the church. They are the first point at which we interact with a world who needs to know of the love of Jesus. And this is how most often people see the love of Jesus. By Christians who, who rather than express judgment and rejection and isolation like too many Christians do, who instead express compassion through healing, mercy, hospitality, and intercession for people. We've had people who are not Christians come to our community group. They're not believers, and yet our community group, we gather for a meal, and we laugh, and we talk, and we share, and then we come to the time where we share needs, and we pray for one another. And there are a couple of non-believers who come to our groups, and they're just astonished that we take the time to pray for whatever needs exist. That in itself, as a gift of compassion, can also lead people to see the truth of Jesus. If you have any of these gifts of compassion, again, healing, mercy, intercession, or hospitality, then we need you. We need you for the benefit of the church, the body of Christ, and we, and you need us. You need to express that gift. Because when you don't express that gift, you will not find satisfaction. When you do identify your gifts and begin to use them, God will bless you in a way that you could not have imagined. And God will be glorified in it. Amen.